0: Our first guests are Enda O'Neill, who's the head of office for the UNHCR in Ireland. And we also have Daniel McConnell, editor of the Business Post, and of course, longstanding political expert on this programme. And before we talk about asylum seekers, uh, what's the feeling about this Helen McIntyre confidence motion? Is it a done deal Is the government's going to win?
1: Yeah, I think it is, Matt. Uh, I think we were doing our tally over the weekend and, and again uh, yesterday um, that the government can pretty much, you know, even under its own steam, could, could manage a majority. But they also have the support of quite a number of the uh, the technical group independents who have voted with the government consistently since 2020. It won't be as high as some of the more recent votes of confidence where you've seen kind of 80-something to 60-something. Uh, I think the gap might be slightly smaller than that, but it's comfortable Helen McIntyre will survive and the government will therefore survive.
0: OK, and what do you think will the government have learnt from all of this? I think what they've
1: learnt from, is, from all of this is that law and order is without question going to become one of the dominant issues uh, heading into not only the local and European elections next year, but the general election that's coming... It's an issue that, you know, Fine Gael prides itself on being the Law and Order Party. But I think it just highlights again since 2011, they've had a disastrous run in justice. Uh, if you think back to the Alan Shatter, Martin Callinan, Marsh McCabe saga that took down two justice ministers and a Garda commissioner, um, uh, they really have not gotten on top of it. When Helen McEntee's comments earlier this year that the streets were safe, the Dublin streets were safe at the time of the that horrific attack of Stephen Tierney, the US uh, tourist on on Talbot Street. You know, you know they're doing that against the backdrop of uh, you know a retention problem in, in the Garda shea corner, questions around resources, uh, kind of open, you know, legitimate criticism around their failure to, I suppose, Resourcing, uh, update the legislation. Now we've had a lot of talk since the riots in Dublin about you know st- you know strengthening the legislation, but this has been in the pipeline for years, and they've they've kind of delayed it. They've just, you know, they've dragged their heels on this, so they are open to very legitimate um, uh, criticism on on the law and order uh, I suppose agenda. And I think without question, what happened on the streets of Dublin you know, two weeks ago now, will cement that as a a major issue in in the general elections coming up.
0: And some of those who get involved in rioting and who get involved in protests are those who are active in complaining about accommodation for asylum seekers, which is the main reason we've asked you in today. So tell us about the latest, that the government yet again is in a position where it can't provide accommodation for all of those seeking protection under international law.
1: Yeah, so... We've known for quite some time, and this is an issue that came to the fore last summer when the government basically held its hands up and said they no longer had sufficient capacity to offer all of those people arriving in Ireland a a place or a a room or or, or an accommodation uh, unit. What the government decided today at cabinet is essentially is, you know, uh, they admitted defeat. Essentially, Roger Gorman basically said he has not enough foresight or does not have any foresight as to when an adequate supply of housing will be on stream to uh, to uh, properly accommodate these people. So, what the, what has the government done? They've decided to give those who are will not be granted any accommodation an extra seventy five euro a week. In terms of support, I don't know what seventy-five euros is going to get you. So That you know, wouldn't, get you, wouldn't get you a night. It wouldn't get you a night. And ultimately, I suppose these people will be left at the particular. I suppose we're getting into the depths of winter, and it's been a pretty cold few days uh, in Dublin, anyway. Um, so I think it's a it's a it's a grotesque admission of defeat from the government's perspective that they haven't been able to, after two years odd of the Ukraine conflict and the pressure on the system, that we're still languishing. Modular housing, we're still talking about. We're waiting till the, now the middle of next year before they only get seven hundred units on stream. They're about 300 on stream they've been talking about modular housing for 18 months and that the 300 is the best that they could do the, the process of repurposing existing state buildings we know there's a huge level of vacancy uh, not only in terms of state building but other buildings across the country very little progress we see vacant units in terms of apartments and flats they're in the control of Dublin City Council that are been left idle all over the place. So, the government is open... And sorry,
0: also today, a report in the Irish Times, the government has 37 properties bought today to house asylum seekers, yeah. but are they occupied?
1: Well, you see, these are, these are ones that, you know, that they're bought, but we have no idea yet as to when they're likely to come on stream. So, I mean, they, like, there's an element of, just because the government says that they've been purchased, What, what is absolutely more important, Matt, is the activation timeline. And every time you start getting into that level of detail, it's, it's, it's much more vague. It's, it's in the coming weeks, the coming months, etc. like that. So this is again, Roderick O'Gorman and Dara O'Brien. They're at, they've been at odds. Obviously, we, we knew that that big row of cabinet last month where they rowed over, you know, what the government should do after 90 days with these people being in in Ireland. But essentially, all you were doing is literally transferring an emergency problem onto the, the already uh, pretty uh, kind of tense uh, homelessness uh, situation across the country.
0: Okay, and O'Neill, you're head of office for the UNHCR Ireland branch. What do you make of what's happening?
2: Well, uh, I think a lot of people have been discussing it over the last coming days. Have expressed the sentiment that they saw it coming. Uh, we've had this uh, kind of a lack of momentum since the summer um, on accommodation. I mean, it was uh, it was until June. Uh, this year, that uh, there was people on the streets, um, but since then we haven't seen any key policy changes. We haven't seen any investment in infrastructure, um, and going back further than that, the white paper process, which is the the key government policy on reforming the direct provision system, it's made progress in some areas, but it's made uh, little to none on the accommodation side. You referenced the the thirty seven buildings there. That's the sum total of the uh, the properties that the state has acquired to house international protection applicants and as far as we're aware none of them are occupied today
0: So 37 bought, none in use Why would they not be in use?
2: So um, (coughs) they're trying to negotiate with uh, approved housing bodies, the the legal terms and the other conditions that would apply Um, I mean they've been working on that uh, for quite some time now Uh, How
0: difficult is it to
2: do that? Well, you know, uh, questions may arise in terms of security of tenure. You know, these things are sometimes complicated. But, uh, I mean, this uh, policy is is coming up on, on three years old. Um, and uh, as well as as that uh, strand of it there is the uh, investment in reception capacity, so larger accommodation centres for people to arrive um, and to date they haven't acquired or started building any of those
0: This is, you could say on one level embarrassing given our international commitments, but what are our international commitments and how many of them are legally binding?
2: (coughs) So under European law and national law, there's clear obligations to provide accommodation to Uh, asylum seekers who don't have the means to support themselves and uh, otherwise meet their basic needs so food, um, hygiene, all those kind of things Um, there was a a high court case in April this year where um, there was a ruling against the state that they weren't meeting their obligations This
0: was a case of an Afghan man wasn't it who came to the country and wasn't given anywhere where he could reside
2: Yeah, well, there was a few different um, applicants joined in that uh, case, but also, I suppose, over between January and uh, June, there was over 1,500 people not accommodated, so that was just...
0: And what happens to them? Are they living on the side of the street?
2: It can be very hard to tell what happened the last time round. Is it wasn't really visible in during the initial phases. So people were maybe staying with people in the community on the floor and on mosques. We heard people saying that they got out of Dublin because they didn't feel it was safe. They went to kind of smaller towns. Uh, so it wasn't always visible. But then, as time moved on, we started to see encampments, particularly near the um, on Mount Street near the International Protection Office, and and then of course uh, that became very visible, and that led to the scenes around Sandwood Street and the arson attacks. Um, so, that's that brings its own set of dangers.
0: Okay. But if the state can't provide accommodation, what happens? I mean, is there going to come a stage where the state will say, we actually have to stop for the moment in allowing people in? Or is the state allowed to do that under its international legal obligations?
2: No, I mean, it's not allowed. Uh, there's clear obligations on Ireland. Um, we've Uh, opted into these regulations. It wasn't mandatory. It's been in place for a number of years now. Um, And I think by any measure, you can't make the case that Ireland doesn't have the capacity to do it. There's plenty of land, plenty of resources. Um, And to go back to the reform of the the white paper again, I just point out um, the, the capital costs identified in the policy was about 560 million the, the capital budget of the Department of Children is in double figures for every year up to 2025 and the whole system was meant to have been reformed by 2024. So the government has never put the resources in to do what it says is the government policy.
1: So politically,
0: Daniel, has the government opened the door to far-right extremists and racists and anti-immigrants by failing to put in a system, a proper system, to accommodate these people, which then would shut those critics up?
1: I think they're open to that charge, definitely. I think they're open to a charge that they have not... Properly forward-planned in relation to this, we've we've heard. I think as Ender rightly said, you know, we've heard iterations of plans going back to 2020, which haven't evolved, which haven't you know developed. And essentially, what the government has often found itself uh, is sort of scrambling to kind of find short-term solutions. What we don't have is a long-term viable plan to deal with the numbers that are coming in. And ultimately, all you're doing that by that is is sowing the sort of seeds of. Um, I suppose unhappiness in in communities. I think what you, when you had scenes of people being dropped in, or you know, busloads of people being moved in over you know, at the, you know in the depths of night without any kind of communication, then that has fed the sort of uncertainty and, and the sort of annoyance and anger, palpable anger on the streets. But there's no doubt there's a, there is a cohort of people who just don't want these people coming in, and they are whipping and they're jumping on any opportunities they can. We saw it on the streets of Dublin, you know, two, th- two Thursdays ago. We've seen it. We saw it in Ballybrack. We saw it in East Wall. We saw it in Finglas. And in rural parts of Ireland as well where blockades have been put up in places like Clare and Leitrim as well. Absolutely. And we we had this rather bizarre and rather unseemly situation in Clare, I think, where we had people basically essentially, vigilantes essentially kind of almost manning a checkpoint where people were having to open their... This is not what should happen in a developed civilised society. Like, you know, law and order simply has broken down on certain uh, circumstances and, and situations here. And the government are absolutely open to the charge that they've dropped the ball on this. And what we have as I said, Rodrigo O'Gorman's answer at a press conference today at 12 o'clock in government building is we don't have any more houses, I can do no more basically all we can do is hand you 75 quid a week that's, that's the sum total that's of that's not his going to solve the problem no, of it? course it's not, but that's, that's the sum total of his response So, and what will
0: happen, will people end up sleeping on the floors of other people that they know if they're lucky enough to know people or will they be in this weather over the winter, sleeping on the side of the street
2: It it certainly seems that way in in the the immediate future. But the pattern over the last kind of year and a half has been it takes a crisis to produce a response from the political system. So we did see something finally coming from Cabinet today on the financial allowance, which at least is something uh, I would have grave concerns that it's not sufficient. But um, there's been inaction on some of these key policy pieces for quite some time. Uh, We've heard discussion around Ukraine, for example, um, and... It's left to officials uh, working in the department to just scramble and try and procure accommodation on the private market. Everyone has been saying for a very long time that that approach is not sustainable. So I think the government needs to grasp the nettle.
1: It's been worse, Matt. It's more sinister than that. What you've actually had is a kind of a rather unseemly bun fight between government departments basically saying, this is not our problem. It belongs to the Department of Housing or it belongs to Roderick Gorman. So like, it's actually more sinister than what Enda is, is described. And while also at the
0: same time we have a problem, a homelessness problem with people living in this country born here years ago.
1: Yeah, and and, and what you have from Darrell O'Brien is this sort of, rehearsed mantra that they're building more houses than than ever before et cetera like that, but it's still nowhere near the look I mean there are working estimates that the real number needed in terms of new homes every year is closer to fifty thousand not the thirty thousand that we're talking about or the 30 thousand say seventy thousand well, well I mean that I mean and so we're nowhere near at the races when in terms of meeting the demand that's out there so you have this perfect storm of our own housing crisis topped on now with, with the migrants coming in who are clearly now being thrown to the walls
0: These are the asylum seekers. We also have many other immigrants coming to the country for whom the economy depends. Our health system depends on them. Our service sector depends on them. We would actually have a major problem if we didn't have people coming from other countries to fill these jobs. But Endo, Neil, just to finish with you, I mean, how worried would you be for them about rising anti-immigrant sentiment in this country? Or is that something that is restricted to small numbers of people?
2: Uh, i I think, for the most part, it is small numbers of people, but that doesn 't make it any less intimidating or uh, you know reduce the incidence of racism that people encounter on a day to day basis I mean certainly the events in dublin uh, on thursday last was was really scary for a lot of people uh whether they were uh, nearby or not. you know a lot of people are are worried about going into the city center if they feel that they don 't look classically irish um, so I think often um, new communities are the ones who bear the brunt of, you know, uh, the housing market being so tight and things like that. Um, And on top of this, we have incidents of intolerance and uh, and threatening behaviour, which is uh, really making them feel uh, not safe.
0: And O'Neill, head of office of the UNHCR Ireland, and Daniel McConnell, editor of the Business Post. Thank you both for being with us. The last
2: word with Matt Cooper.